Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Polynesian traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. And be warned, today's episode contains references to stalking and graphic violence. Please exercise caution for listeners under 13. The blood tasted bitter in Kuna's mouth. His joints groaned in protest as he stalked through the forest, back to his mountain cave. He'd just feasted on some unfortunate souls in the village at the bend of the Wailuku River. It was his favorite thing to do. At least, it used to be. You are Mo'okuna, fearsome dragon and terror of the islands. You do not get tired. But he was. It wasn't the first time he'd noticed. For weeks now, he wondered if maybe, just maybe, he needed a change of pace. What is that? Kuna followed the voice, his heart pounding. There was something about the melody that made him squirm in a good way. Kuna hovered at the top of a small hill and peered through the foliage. A grotto lay below him with a rushing waterfall thundering at its far end. As beautiful as the scene was, it didn't compare to the stunning woman in the middle of it. Dark hair swished around her shoulders and a silver pa'u skirt draped about her exquisite hips. I've never seen anyone so lovely. The woman pounded wet bark with a rock. It looked like the makings of kappa cloth. Kuna hated kappa. Villagers made their clothes out of it, and it always got stuck in his teeth. The woman was too focused on her task to notice Kuna. This didn't sit well with the dragon. He wanted her to notice him. He was the great Kuna. When she saw him, this woman would be as enthralled with him as he was with her. He nudged a nearby boulder with his tail. The boulder rolled down the hill and landed in the grotto with a great splash. A wave of water soaked the woman and her kappa. She gasped in shock and glared in Kuna's direction. The two of them locked eyes and Kuna smiled. She was angry now, but he knew once she saw it was Kuna beckoning her, she'd be honored. Instead, the woman tore her eyes away and returned to her kappa. She ignored him. When the sun sets on the day, the darkness is an old friend. Joined with the moon beckoning me home. Kuna blinked. 
he usually inspired fear and respect. No one ever ignored him. It hurt. His head spun, and his heart felt like it was about to burst. It took him a moment to realize hurt wasn't all he was feeling. There was something else. Longing. Kuna needed her to notice him more than anything else in the world. And if rolling a boulder in her direction wasn't enough, he would have to find a more dramatic way to get her attention. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today's story, Hina and Kuna, comes from Polynesian mythology. The boisterous demigod Maui is typically the star of these island myths, but even he has to answer to someone, and that someone is his mother. Hina of Hilo is the goddess of the moon, renowned for her expertise in making clothing. While all Polynesian gods desire her exquisite kappa, the ferocious dragon Kuna wants Hina herself. Coming up, Kuna steps out of the shadows. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The term Polynesia means many islands in Greek. Typically, this term refers to a region of the Pacific Ocean that contains islands such as Hawaii, New Zealand, and Tonga. While every island cluster has their own localized traditions, they share much of the same mythology. This connected mythos has led to the theory that ancient Polynesians were once part of a single nation. By the early 1800s, European missionaries had begun to bring Christianity to Polynesian islands such as New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, and Hawaii, converting many native inhabitants to their religion. 
According to the Met Museum, while many indigenous sculptures and art disappeared, some traditions remained. These include important women's art forms, such as bark cloth and elaborately plated mats. The patron goddess of these customs is Hina, the moon goddess. She's well known for crafting kappa cloth for the gods. Kappa, also called tapa in Tahiti and masa in Fiji, is a traditional fabric made from a paper mulberry plant called voke. It was essential to daily life since it was used for garments, blankets, swaddling clothes, and more. Since women typically made the kappa, Hina's expertise makes her a symbol of women everywhere. It's said that Hina lives in a cave below Rainbow Falls, what is today called Waianue Nue in Hilo, Hawaii. She spends her days singing as she makes kappa. This is what her peaceful life should look like. But in this tale, Hina's routine is disrupted by a dragon named Mo'o Kuna, a vicious monster who tears apart villages and seizes anything he desires. Unfortunately for Hina, after the dragon lays eyes on her, she is all he desires. scraped away the outer bark of the voke stalks she'd soaked for days and smacked the remaining layer with a rock. She loved this part of making kappa, the smashing. She knew how others saw her, that she was so gentle, that she kept to herself. It was mostly true. She liked the quiet and adored her peaceful solitude. Once the voke finished fermenting and drying, she would paint it with intricate designs. Then she'd have to be delicate. Until then, this was her chance to smash. Hina picked up her pace, relishing the feeling as she drove her rock into the pulp. <laughs> Hina froze. She'd heard something in the woods. Not just something. She knew exactly what it was. Kuna. She knew the dragon Kuna. Everyone did. At least twice a year, he tore apart some poor village with his claws and sharp teeth. And now he'd found her grotto. When he first appeared above the waterfall a week ago, Hina had braced for an attack. An attack that never came. After he'd splashed her kappa that first day, he'd taken to just watching, which was worse. Hina felt determined to ignore him. Soon he'd get bored with her and leave. Look at me! You know I'm here. I watch you each day, and I see you tense when I arrive. You sense me. Can you not even offer me an aloha? <laughs> if you would just look at me, I could tell you why I'm here. This stopped Hina. She did want to know why he was there. So against her better judgment, she looked. The hillside surrounding the pool sloped up to meet the edge of a nearby forest. There, from a cluster of trees, a long, scaly snout protruded. A pair of yellow eyes glittered in the shadows above it. 
A moment later, Kuna emerged in all his glory. An enormous lizard about three banyan trees long, his feet as big as sea turtles, his sneer like a crescent moon. Mahalo. I've come to say congratulations. You are to be my wife. He can't mean me. Hina, are you speaking? I can't hear you. What do you say? Leave my solitude, my grotto. I'd rather die. Hina did not raise her voice. She knew Kuna couldn't hear her. That was the point. Telling him off directly would be a fatal mistake. Her power was in her fingertips. Kuna's was in his powerful jaws. She might be able to craft Kappa and ride to the moon, but Kuna could rip her apart with a swipe of his paws. In fact, even so far apart, she could smell death on him, the rancid iron tang of blood. His cave is probably covered in it. The thought of it made her gag. To hide her disgust, Hina did the only thing she could think of. She ignored him. She turned back to her kappa, counting down the minutes until this beast would leave her alone. You're ignoring me? Again? I just said I wanted you to come with Kuna! (laughs) You... You... I... I... A loud crack made Hina finally look up. Kuna had once again pushed a boulder down the hill, a very, very big one, and it was rolling right towards her. At the last moment, Hina flung herself out of the way. The boulder struck the grotto, sending a curtain of water into the air. The water fell all over her unfinished cloth. No, not again. I hadn't sealed it. (laughs) I guess that's how I get your attention. Now, let's go back to my cave. (sighs) You still ignore me. Fine. You'll change your mind. I know it. I'll be ready when you do. Hina heard Kuna leave. Once again, she didn't look. She could only stare at her ruined kappa, fists clenched until his footfalls faded away. She was alone, just how she liked it. Only she was so furious that it felt as though Kuna still lingered. Hina tensed. Something rustled in the woods. Maybe Kuna hadn't gone after all. Suddenly, a large shape leapt from the trees. Roar! Ah, Maui, you frightened me. It wasn't Kuna, it was Maui, powerful demigod, notorious trickster, and her youngest son. What are you doing sneaking around like that? My brother said I'm not imposing enough, and I said Maui can be scary when he wants to be. Are you done with my kappa? I need it. (sighs) Not yet. My malo is getting all grimy. I can't do heroics with dirty clothes. 
I'm done when I'm done, Maui. You sound mad. <sighs> I'm fine. Come back tomorrow. I'll have your kappa then. I hope. Tell Maui what's wrong. You know I can fix it. I can help. I'm always offering my assistance, my kokua. I do all sorts of helping things, all the time. All right, I'll tell you. I just... Kuna has been getting on my nerves. The dragon? He won't leave me alone. He says he wants to marry me. Ugh. A dragon marry the mother of Maui? Ah, he's so niele. A real pest. He ruined my kappa. Maui does not like this. Well, Hina does not like it either. Okay. It is simple. I will destroy him. Ah, you're so brave and strong. It's just that sometimes you... Well, your kokua makes things worse. Maui raised the sky. Maui snared the sun. Maui lifted mountains from the water. I... Listen! I am listening. You always get so overexcited. I just want you to know that I'm pretty good at doing miraculous things. As if to show her, Maui did a spin and brandished his spear. A little too hard, he stumbled from the force of the gesture, then glared at Hina as if expecting her to laugh. She held it in, barely. I need to get back to my kappa. Maui has something to say, mother. <sighs> Fine, go on. When someone is rude to me, I make fun of them. Makes them feel small. Small creatures aren't so bold. Being laughed at is the worst feeling in the world. Thank you. Now I'm sure you have other things to do. Well, I was going to go fishing with my brothers, but now I think I should stay. No, I already have Kuna pestering me. Please, I don't want your help. I like taking care of things myself. This is my grotto, my kappa. How do you plan on getting rid of Kuna then? By doing nothing. When you ignore something long enough, you either get used to it or it goes away. Now promise you'll let me be. Hina was relieved when Maui left. Unfortunately, this relief did not last long. When Maui disappeared, a familiar pair of yellow eyes appeared in the woods. Hina shivered with anger. She was sick of people pestering her. She hadn't asked for Maui's help or Kuna's attention. She wanted to be left alone. Before she could stop herself, she did something she'd never done before. Took advice from Maui. <laughs> Poor has-been Kuna. You have seen better days. Ugh, that was terrible. What? Yes, you, well, you used to rip apart four villages a day, and now you can't even get a woman to look at you. That's not true. Plenty of women look at me. In fear as they run away, no one would want to be your wife. Hina could see the yellow eyes glisten like he was about to cry. She couldn't believe it. She was actually hurting this monster's feelings. What are you going to do? Ruin my work? You've already done that. A child's trick. You are pitiful. You should be embarrassed of your own rancid existence. 
Hina's silence was gratifying until Hina saw the eyes narrow. The change chilled her. The dragon wasn't just hurt, there was something darker there. And when Kuna quietly slunk into the forest, Hina wasn't relieved to see him go. She was scared. Coming up, Kuna plots his revenge. What could be more shocking than uncovering the deep, dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Carter from the ParCast series, Conspiracy Theories. Every Monday and Wednesday, take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction and discover that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. From the government's link to Bigfoot and the otherworldly secrets of the Vatican, to the Grateful Dead's role in the spread of LSD, and more. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may just be outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Maui rode out into the open sea, his eyes peeled for his brothers. He hadn't expected to stay so long at the waterfall. They were probably way ahead of him. He almost hadn't come at all, because he really didn't like leaving his mother, his makuahine, alone with a dragon lurking nearby. She did say she didn't need any help. Still, Maui couldn't just buzz off on a leisure trip without putting some security in place. He called up to the sky. Awopua! Aloha! I need a word! In answer, a sunbeam pierced through the cloud cover. Then the cloud itself floated down to Maui. Its misty folds parted in a grim. Oh, hi! What are we up to today, Maui? Awopua! I need a favor! <gasps> Is it about Pele? I've been waiting for someone to talk to. She made all this fuss about creating the islands, but her volcano keeps going off and destroying them. It makes no sense. I don't have time to gossip. Oh. Wait, why? Where are you going? I won't tell anyone. Like, I believe that. Is this about that time I told people it was you who screwed up the sun's path across the sky because you know that just slipped out? No. Wait, you told everyone about that? Uh... No, of course not. I really thought you knew. We will discuss that at another time. For now, I forgive you, because I have a favor to ask. The dragon Kuna is after Maui's Makuahine, and Maui doesn't like it. Kuna is gone for now, but I think the beast will be back. 
Oh, gentle Hina's in danger, mother of the moon? <laughs> you see everything, so I want you to keep an eye on her. Just sing for me if Kuna comes back. Maui will come running. Wiki wiki! You know how fast I am. Really fast. And not a word to Hina about this. Aopua, I mean it. Don't tell my Makuahine. She's all defensive. She thinks she doesn't need any help. Maui, it's me. I know how to keep a secret. Right. Well, mahalo. Maui rode after his brothers, eager to get some fishing in before he headed back to check on Hina. Kuna sat in the shadows of his cave in a foul mood. He could barely even eat the arm of the villager he'd just killed. Each time he nibbled flesh from its bone, it tasted dry. It wasn't the villager's fault, it was Hina's. Hina had gotten into his head and he hated that. But he didn't hate her, not in the least bit. He loved her, her singing. The way her delicate fingers brushed the kappa cloth, the curtain of her dark hair as it swung over her shoulders. Ah, Hina. He looked into the dead villager's vacant eyes as the corpse slumped against the cave wall. Don't look at me like that. It is unfortunate that I love her, because it's making my belly ache, and it's not an ache that can be soothed by eating. No offense. She insulted me, you know. Yes, came right out and called my existence rancid. What was that? It hurt, like a thousand arrows hitting my underbelly at once. Though, when she said that, I was more mad than hurt. It was that scary kind of anger. Like when I'm ripping apart a village and someone hits me with a spear. You know what? I am still angry! She shouldn't get to just say no to the great Kuna! I get to decide what goes on in this forest! Me, not Hina! I'll bring her here and make her love me! She will be proclaiming her love, saying aloha ao ia oi, before she knows it! What do you say? Kuna ripped a chunk of flesh off the villager's arm and chewed. It tasted a little better now. He was onto something. Maui! You'll know I took her. I know. Kuna is just as good as Maui. Killing an entire village is hard work. Just as hard as lifting the sky. I'll just make sure he's not hanging around when I go fetch his mother. When Kuna returned to the grotto the next morning, he was happy to see that Maui had not returned from his fishing trip. Hina was the only one at the falls, working on her kappa. Her simple song drifted above the din of the waterfall. <laughs> Kuna stayed in the shadows until the sun sank in the sky and Hina retreated into her cave behind the falls. Maui still had not returned. The hero was probably still with his brothers, getting drunk on Okola Hau and boasting about his deeds. Maui is goofing off while his Makuahine is taken by the greatest creature who ever walked the earth, Kuna. 
He crept down to the edge of the grotto. He had to be careful in his approach. It wouldn't be smart to rush. Plus, he didn't know how strong Hina was. She seemed vulnerable, but she was also mother to the great Maui. A drop of rain plopped between Kuna's eyes. The sky opened up and soon it was pouring. Through the heavy rain, Kuna watched the falls cascade over the cave entrance into the pool below. The grotto itself was wide, but narrowed at its far end to feed into the Wailuku River. The river rushed through this opening, smacking into the rocks on either side. Kuna shivered with excitement. He had the perfect idea. He searched the riverbank for a sizable rock. Once he found one, he wrapped his tail around it. Kuna dragged the boulder over to where the river narrowed and dropped it. It scraped against the rocks on either side as it fell, but held firm. Kuna smiled, a perfect fit. Kuna watched the river rise, slowly at first, then faster, urged on by the rain. The cave was a few feet above the grotto, cut into the cliff below the falls. Soon, the water would spill inside. Once Hina awoke, she would rush out and right into Kuna's claws. Inside the cave, Hina's dreams were peaceful. The sun shone down on her from above, bright and warm on her face. She stood on the rocks by her waterfall-shrouded cave and pounded her kappa into perfection. It dried in seconds, a miracle. She hummed to herself as she painted the kappa, Vivid, strong warriors and scenes from the natural world blossomed on the cloth as she worked. Her brush shook abruptly. Her hand trembled. Her whole body shivered from a chill. It wasn't normal to shiver in the sun. The sound of rushing water grew louder. A cold splash hit her face. Hina sat up quickly as water surged over her sleeping mat. She shook her head and tried to get her bearings. The river was inside her cave. Hina leapt up. Luckily for her, her mat was perched high on a rock shelf. If she'd been on the floor below, she would be underwater by now. Even up here, she wasn't safe. The water was already up to her ankles, even on the shelf, and it was rising fast. She didn't know what was going on. She only knew she needed to get out before she drowned. Hina jumped into the water and swam for the cave opening. The entranceway, which seemed perfectly adequate when dry, now seemed far too small. Still, it was there. She could see it in front of her. The night sky beckoned through the waterfall. A massive, hulking shadow stepped into her path. Hello, Hina. 
Coming up, Hina must choose between drowning and a dragon. Now back to the story. Ao Opua couldn't see Hina. It was annoying, really. Maui had been very specific. Keep an eye on Hina and tell him if that big, ugly dragon returned. The lack of visibility wasn't Ao Opua's fault. It was the rain. At one point, Ao Opua had floated down to try and see. It hadn't helped, so she shot right back up. As a rule, Ao Opua never stayed low for long. She didn't want to miss what was happening in the world. Plus, what was there to see at Rainbow Falls? Hina was sleeping in her cave. After a day of nothing amiss, Ao Opua could let her attention wander. <laughs> oh! <gasps> oh! I see the Alana family has called on their Almakua. Interesting. And here I was thinking ancestral spirits were only for emergencies. Get away from me. Get out. Ao Opua stopped. She was sure she heard a voice, a very distant voice. Was it coming from Hina's waterfall? It couldn't be. All she saw was rain. Although something was different. The grotto was fuller than it had been before. Ao Opua floated lower until she finally saw a scaly tail poking through the waterfall. Whoever that tail belonged to was in the cave beyond it with Hina. Oh, no, 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 no. Maui! 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 I don't even know if he can hear me. This was not a good plan. Inside the cave, Hina didn't want the monster in front of her to know she was scared. So she swallowed and prayed her voice would be steady when she spoke. Kuna, leave me alone. I've had enough. You don't get to have enough, Hina. You are so high and mighty, refusing to look at me or talk to me. Well, Kuna is here to make you pay attention. My son Maui will be home soon. He will know what you've done. Even if that's true, by the time he gets back, I will have his mother. I see you, you know. An aging monster desperate for one final display of power. It isn't scary. It's sad. That's the whole point! I am through with massacring villagers and terrifying people. I want to retire to my cave. I just don't want to do it alone. I'm alone, and I prefer it that way. Enough! Come with me before I make you. Let's say you bring me back to your cave. What then? I'll escape, or Maui will come and kill you, or we drive each other mad because you're forcing me to be there. You will get used to it. Kuna lunged forward, his claws extended. Hina leapt out of the way just in time. She stumbled through the water, bracing herself against the cave wall. Her palms stung as they scraped against stone. She ducked again as Kuna jumped at her. His jaw struck the rock behind her. Ah! He 
covered his head with his claws, wincing. Hina looked towards the exit. The path to the cave mouth was clear. It was getting smaller by the minute. The rising water was up to her shoulders now. Her feet lifted from the floor. She swam frantically. Kuna's rough, scaly tail wrapped around her ankle and pulled her underwater. She should have known he'd be able to catch up to her. His reptilian body was built for water. Hina's limbs flailed as she tried to pull herself up. Not finding any handholds, she cast around for something, anything that could help. There it was, a rock right at her fingertips, the one she used for the kappa. She grabbed it and swung it against Kuna's tail with all her might. The tail released her. Hina shot towards the surface. She emerged sputtering and glanced behind her to see Kuna nursing his tail. When he looked up at her, he charged. Hina swam as hard as she could. She hauled herself through the waterfall curtain and onto a rock ledge beyond. She climbed to the side, scaling the mountain to get away from the cave's opening and Kuna. She just pulled herself onto an upper ledge when she realized she had a problem. The rock gave way to slick, rain-soaked dirt above her. No footholds. If she kept moving along the ledge, she'd reach a dead end. Going back past the cave wasn't an option either. Kuna would emerge at any second. The only way to escape was to cross the flooded grotto. How, she didn't know. Swimming was a bad idea. The water was Kuna's domain. Her eyes landed on some old kappa under the rock ledge. It was where she kept her leftover scraps of cloth to shield it from unexpected rainstorms. Hina grabbed three pieces and quickly tied them together, looping one end in a circle like a noose. Kuna slithered through the waterfall, only a few feet below where Hina stood. His yellow eyes glared ferociously. Hina threw her kappa rope across the grotto as hard as she could. The loop snagged on a tree branch and held. Stop! Hina felt Kuna's massive claws slice through the air behind her. His hot breath warmed her neck. It didn't matter. She was airborne, swinging over the river. She held on, even as the rope cut into her palms. Finally, her feet touched the bank across the river. But luck was not entirely on her side. Her momentum was too great. She pitched forward, smashing her shin into a rock. Pain exploded in her leg. She tried to hobble off. It was no use. Her leg was in agony. No, no, no. Panicked, Hina turned around to check for her pursuer. There he was, yellow eyes floating above the surface of the water. He quickly reached the bank and slithered towards her, one claw at a time, until he reached out, ready to snatch his prize. A massive rock plowed into Kuna's cheek, knocking him off his feet. Maui stepped out from behind Hina to put himself between his mother and the dragon. Maui! Maui! 
pounded you! No one hurts Maui's Makuahine. Hina watched Maui wrap his hands around Kuna's throat. The dragon squirmed, choking. Maui was strong, horribly strong. It was almost over. Then she saw Kuna's injured tail lift up. Watch out! It was too late. The tail struck Maui's head. The demigod stumbled for only a moment. It was all Kuna needed. He squirmed out of Maui's grasp and scurried along the river into the woods. Maui took off after him. His great muscles rippled as he sprinted away. Soon, both disappeared among the trees. Get back here, lizard! Hina watched the trees shake and part in the distance from their chase. After a few minutes, she could tell that Maui had lost Kuna. Gah! Where is he? Kuna! Kuna! Ugh! Hina knew she had to act to do something before Kuna got away, but what? Aopua, is that you? Uh, uh, no. Aopua, have you been watching this whole time? <sighs> Fine, yes. How could I not? The last hour has been riveting. When Maui said Kuna was after you, I was like, what? Maui told you to watch me? Uh, no. Hina couldn't really be mad. Maui's stubbornness had saved her. As much as Hina hated to admit it, her son had been right. Hina needed help. This was her chance to get rid of Kuna for good. Just like making Kappa, she had to hit the material while it was wet in order to mold the right shape. If she waited, it would dry wrong. She couldn't let Kuna get away. Not now. It was time to smash. Aopua, where did Kuna go? You think I'm a tattletale? I have my own affairs to attend to. Aopua, please. <sighs> okay, well, he crept into the riverbed at the base of Mauna Kea, the depths. It's amazing, really, how such a big guy can fit into small spaces like that. Who knows what else he's gotten into, am I right? Mauna Kea, that means Pele could help us. Oh, I can't really be the one to ask her. She's mad at me for something I said about her volcanoes going off. Of course I didn't mean it, but it was true. Tell her it's from me. Tell her that her sister, Hina, needs her help. Kuna was safe in his little crevice. Maui had almost caught him, but the idiotic demigod tripped on a rock and went sprawling. It was the chance Kuna needed. He'd slipped into a cave at the base of Mauna Kea, where the Wailuku River churned the fastest. Now it was quiet. He was safe. Safe, but a little uncomfortable. His tail and jaw throbbed from his encounter with Hina and Maui. His fury made his scales burn. Or maybe it wasn't just fury. It was hot in here. He squirmed. Maybe he should go find another place to hide. No, he couldn't risk going outside. Maui might be waiting for him. He'd just have to sit in here and stew. I should have picked some other goddess. 
I did not choose Hina. Hina chose me when she beckoned with her song. Mm, it's just so hot in here. Something dripped on his foot and pain shot up his leg. He winced. The ceiling of the cave glowed an orangey red. It took Kuna a moment to realize what it was. Lava. There's lava seeping through the ceiling. The world around Kuna shook. At the back of the cave, the ceiling gave way. Torrents of hot, fiery lava spilled into the crevice. A few more drops splashed Kuna's already mangled tail. <laughs> Kuna leapt up, clawing his way back towards the cave opening. He burst into the daylight, sighing in sweet relief as the river breeze cooled his smoking scales. Well, there you are. Maui and Hina stood behind him. Kuna tried to run. He wasn't fast enough. Maui grabbed onto his tail before he could flee. He raised a spear with his other hand. Uh, stop! Easy on the tail. It's been through the ringer today. You won't even have a tail when I'm done with you. Wait! What? No. Kuna watched Hina's eyes shift behind him. The lava poured out of the cave he'd been in just moments before. The force of it made his face hot. Thank you for the assistance, Pele. I... I... Okay, I'm sorry. Please, let me go back to my cave and... Find another person to torment? I understand. You understand nothing. I do not take up much space in the world. What I do use is in the service of others. It leads me to not ask for help very often. I'm glad that my son ignored my request. Maui to the rescue! But you, Kuna, all you do is take up space more than you deserve. Please, have mercy. I'll leave you alone. I'll pretend you don't exist. The thing with that, big, bad Kuna, is that I tried ignoring you. It didn't work. So what makes you think avoiding a problem is a reasonable solution? Hina glared so hard at Kuna, he wasn't sure if the heat came from her or the lava. <clears throat> Please, Hina. I did it because... because of you. You have to change your ways, Kuna. Kuna thought about all that had happened, the feelings for Hina he'd never imagined he'd have, the desperation to possess her. He'd wanted to change his ways, to discover a new Kuna, a Kuna who understood love and didn't always have to work so hard massacring villagers to feel satisfied. But all it had gotten him was a burnt, broken tail and a mouthful of bitterness. No. I don't think I will change. Excuse me? Maui jabbed his spear toward Kuna so hard that he stumbled forward, nearly tripping over his own feet. Kuna didn't mean to laugh. He just couldn't help it. <laughs> Maui does not like to be laughed at. <laughs> Stop laughing! 
Maui, I think we should... Kuna felt Maui's spear plunge into his chest before he saw it. The shock completely stunned him. He could only watch as his killer, Maui, looked endearingly at his strong muscles and planted a kiss on his bicep. Maui flung a fist in the air. Maui wins! Kuna fell. He hit the now fiery waters of the Wailuku River and sank beneath the churning lava. The pain of his scales melting was so great, he could barely feel anything. He could still see, however, Hina staring down at him with disgust. He lamented again that he'd spent so much time trying to get her to look at him. Now that she did, he wished she'd look away. The death of Kuna is considered one of Maui's great feats. He battles the dragon and kills it for harassing his mother. The story has a variety of iterations, the most well-known coming from Hawaii and New Zealand. In the New Zealand version, Kuna is called Tuna and travels from a far-off stream to attack Hina. Hawaiians, however, believe he lives right above her home, Rainbow Falls. There are other conflicting variations, such as Maui being the one to call for Pele, or how Maui and Hina ultimately defeat Kuna. Although it may be hailed as a Maui success story, the legend's true depth has almost nothing to do with the hero. It's a story about a powerful, insatiable beast that stakes a claim on a woman he has no right to possess. Kuna's selfishness is in direct contrast to Hina's selflessness. After all, she spends her days making clothing for others. But most of all, Hina serves as a symbol of safety. Since she makes kappa, the cloth for everything, her presence in the tale is emblematic of life itself. Kuna is a greedy consumer, representing the evils that threaten our existence. Maui does not just defeat a dangerous monster, he saves the fabric of island life from certain disaster. Much like humanity, even goddesses can't ignore a problem forever. Sometimes it only gets worse. When that happens, a little bit of help from your family can make all the difference. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic fable. We'll be back next week with another epic story. 
Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Mythology was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Robert Teamstra. Fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Jen Wong, Samia Mounts, and Brian Kim. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>